Welcome to Let's Talk a Little Shop, a podcast created by ASD Market Week. Let's Talk a Little Shop aims to help small businesses navigate the rapidly changing retail landscape. Whether you own a brick and mortar store, are an online seller, or both, this podcast provides tangible strategies to keep your cash register ringing. Hi, everyone. This is Michaela, and I am back today for another episode of Let's Talk a Little Shop on behalf of ASD Market Week. And today I have with me one of our community favorites, Joe Bear. And Joe and I are going to be talking about merchandising and how to make your inventory work for you in the time of a potential recession and uh, making some really cool stealth revenue strategies. So, Joe, why don't you introduce or reintroduce yourself to the audience? Okay. Thank you, Michaela. So excited to be here. And hello, everybody out there. I am Joe Bear, as uh, you know, from a company called Zen Genius. And we are a company that specializes in visual merchandising, special events, and creative direction. Um, Celebrating our 23rd year, um, really the company is built on practices of visual merchandising, realizing that that was a gift that I had and others had that we could bring to help uh, other retailers support visual merchandising efforts. I am excited because I'm also on the editorial advisory board for VMSD Magazine. I'm the vice president of special events for PAVE Global, which is a wonderful nonprofit organization. And I'm also on the advisory board for the Master of Retail Studies program at the Columbus College of Art and Design. Wow, you have you've added some big credentials since our last conversation. I can't wait to see uh, how the insights have evolved too. So, Joe, let's jump yes. right into it. What? And just let's start with the current economic climate. Like, what are you seeing in retail? What are you sensing? And how is that impacting what you're advising um, retailers to do in terms of in-store uh, merchandising and design? Yeah. It's really an interesting world out there for all retailers of all sizes, big and small. And so many of the challenges that we face, not only this year, but over the last couple of years, you know, supply issues, staffing issues, challenges with um, foot traffic in the store, as well as how customers are involving with so much online shopping. So really, I feel like a lot of times what we're doing is we're taking a fresh look at some of the stores that we're working with and visiting, sort of throwing out some of the old rules Mm -hmm. and just looking at it with a fresh perspective. You know, what do we do when we have empty shelves, when we're experiencing supply levels, or what do we do when we have too many SKUs in the store and we're overstocked and, you know. Do we call on some of the basic visual merchandising techniques that we've used over the years to solve some of these areas? Um, You know, I think the other thing is just understanding the different options customers have, the different channels they have to shop now, and embracing that as much as possible. Understanding how we can connect the in-store experience to the online shopping experience and, you know, what are the ways that we can do that? We've been experimenting on our own at Zen Genius 
we launched a new store. It's a small 2,000 square foot boutique called Zen Genius Marketplace. So it's giving us a fresh perspective on, you know, how to drive foot traffic, how to communicate to the customers, how to understand who our own target customers are. So we're also able to take these learnings now and apply them to our our clients that we're working with also. So Joe, let's take apart some some a uh, couple things that you just said in there. So let's start with merchandising when supply levels are low. So many retailers have um, you know, it's they've done the best they can in terms of shoring up who their suppliers are and getting things in. But what yeah. have you advised, let's say if some of those best sellers just haven't come back in stock yet. So how yeah. can they get creative in the way that they're showing things to kind of cover the bareness? I mean, there are lots of things that you can do, but one of the things as visual merchandisers, we've always relied on great storytelling Mm -hmm. and what some companies are doing, which is showrooming. So you may not have that product in stock right now, or you might have a limited quantity in stock, Mm -hmm. but you can still use the space in your store to help tell that story. You know, maybe you're bringing in more products. Maybe you're setting up a larger display or even in an area for a demo or interaction, um, special events. So you have to be creative with the space that you have. And you can't um, forget that these are your best sellers. And, you know, you want to still give them a moment in the store. And the way we're learning to shop now, we just have different options. You know, we could buy something in store or we could buy something online and, you know, we could pick it up in store. We could have it shipped to our home or our office or, you know, so many options there. And what about when they have too much of something on the floor and they need to move it? What are some of your tips for creatively displaying that merchandise to entice someone to take it home with them? Yeah. I mean, we have always relied on sales, especially what for the last 10 to 20 years, the sale has become an important driver for Mm -hmm. foot traffic. As a visual merchandiser, I always dive into the numbers Mm -hmm. and I really want to understand what are my best sellers and what SKUs are not moving Mm -hmm. and really, you know, be conscious about what SKUs are taking up space Mm -hmm. and finding a fun way to either tell a fresh story about those products that you believe in, that you think should be selling. Mm -hmm. What can you do to rethink them? Do you move them to a new location? Is there additional signage or something? And then the products that you feel like, you know, you just don't have space for them. How do you move through them? Do you have a fun sale? Do you do something unique? You know, so many customers are driven to look for a sale area or a clearance area in your store. Um, But, you know, sometimes we don't want them to focus on that. And it's better to, like, save everything when you have, like, a special event sale, you know, a one-day-only sale or a special weekend sale. So really get in there, know your inventory, know your SKUs, and really try to analyze, you know, them to, to understand what's driving the business and, and what's taking away. And Joe, what you you continually mention stories, right? And our brains are wired for stories. So could you 
for maybe someone who's not as adept in story te- storytelling through merchandise, could you kind of dig a little bit deeper into that, telling That's- them what that is, how they might be able to leverage that in their own shops? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, visual merchandising is a part of the storytelling. And I always I break it up. I say visual is the creative part. Mm-hmm. These are the graphics, the fun, the wow. And then the merchandising is how you stock. So the storytelling comes into the visual part of that. Every product in your store has a story. It really does. And then you have to determine which of those stories that you, you want to bring to life. You can bring them life to life through a display. You can add in graphics. You can use technology with the video. Um, you can help your staff with the words that they're using when they're talking. So there's so many things that you can do from a storytelling standpoint. It's, it excites me because it's in our roots as visual merchandisers. And I don't know if you know the, the story, but um, Frank L. Baum, or L. Frank Baum, I'm sorry, wrote mm-hmm. The Wizard of Oz. One of the best stories, right? Everybody yeah. knows it, made into so many things. Before he wrote that, he was a visual merchandiser. Wow. And started one of the first magazines about visual merchandising over 125 years ago, celebrating the magic of window dressing and, again, how to bring these stories to life around the products. So I just love that we're connected to that storytelling history. So however we can bring that into the store experience, you know, with the tools that we have. So, Joe, let's uh, lately I've been, you know, kind of visiting some of the ASD retailer shops, especially because it's holiday and some of them do a great job with their merchandising. Right. So the, the things that I've noticed are there's seems to be a trend where you continually want to be able to arrange things by color, no matter what the season is. So why is kind of color coordination more of a timeless merchandising tactic, regardless of what time of year it is? I mean, color is so important and it it makes us feel good. You know, colors evoke emotion. And from a visual impact standpoint, it's one of our great tools to help create a visual statement that will attract our attention or draw us in. Yeah. And, you know, there's always seasonal colors or like they just announced, what is it? Uh, magenta is. Yes. Pantone of- color of the year. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we levitate towards different colors and by pulling things together, you know, it's just pleasing to the eye. Uh, helps us understand like what's hot, what to focus on right now. So, yeah, colors wonderful. And Joe, um, you know, holidays always seem to be a really strong time to do, you know, holiday themed um, installations. So whether it's uh, Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Christmas or the winter solstice or the new year, Valentine's Day, all those things. What what are there any techniques for maybe some of the secondary holidays that they can be using in stores to drive merch around things that aren't as predominant as, you know, the big ones I just mentioned. Oh, yeah, very much. I mean, 
I feel like it's all connected. Look at your marketing campaigns that you have. Look at your assortment sheets and try to understand what product you're going to be driving during that holiday. What do you really want to focus on? I feel like what is the best way with many of these seasonal holidays is how does your individual brand express this holiday? You know, what are your special taglines or what are your special colors? What can you bring, you know, to to this holiday that's not, you know, running out to the dollar store to get some decorations and they bring them in, but what can make it unique for your holiday? I think also paying attention to your target market, like your core customer base and identifying which holidays are most important to them. And nowadays, there's like several national holidays almost every day that if you look at your target customer, you could also start to look at some of those other holidays and tag into those. Like National Gratitude Day or Love Your Dog Day, just the things that might be important to them is what you're saying. Right. Friday last Friday was uh, National Ugly Sweater Day. (laughs) Right? So I don't know what day is. Do you know? We'll have What's to, that? We'll have to see what today is. I know. There's probably something. So, yeah. Joe, I have another question for you. Um, you know, because of the the secondhand market and resale is a really hot trend right now, whether you're a brand big or small. I mean, Patagonia is recycling their clothing, yeah. just reselling it online on a dedicated site. But also, I've noticed a lot of the smaller retailers have kind of returned to vintage and antiques, whether it's clothing or cool home goods, to mix into their new assortment. Can you talk a little bit more? about that? Like um, what you're seeing with kind of incorporating old and new as a, as a strategy for sales, but also how does, how do they work that into merchandising? Cause that's, that's, that takes a little bit of a craft. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so glad you mentioned and brought it up because I think it's, it's so important to all of us for our future and to pay attention to the resource and, and things that we already have. And it is a trend. I feel like so much of this trend is also being driven by the future generations. You know, every time I'm speaking at a university or I'm talking with students, they're asking about sustainability. They want to know what we can do. So I'm really celebrating it for all retailers that are doing it. You know, the brands you mentioned, H&M did a wonderful campaign to, to start doing it. We've even been testing it with our own Zen Genius Marketplace. Yeah, yeah. T- talk to me about that. Like, if you've guys yeah. been doing that with the marketplace, um, how has that been playing in- into that location? Yeah, it's actually doing really well. We did what's ca- we're calling it a takeover with okay. the local vintage vendor, um, Sohud Collective. Wonderful guy named Taylor. He's got one of those cool buses that he takes around to markets and everything, and of course. We've dedicated some space in our shop where he's selling his vintage goods. Um, We also have a section in the store where, because we do a lot of special events, a lot of times we have gently used event supplies that we can also sell in the store. I think a a part of the success is also the the, the storytelling of this. Why are we doing it? You know, why is it important from a sustainability standpoint, from a 
appreciation of the things that we have. Um, I enjoy it. I've, I've thrifted, you know, all of my life. I remember in high school going and shopping for the cool trench coat. And, you know, now you see a whole range of different levels of resale shops, you know, mm -hmm. high end resale shops, vintage shops, and then your classic. So I feel like through the last few years, trying things, testing things, is something that most retailers and businesses have had to do. So that's one of it. Just test it and try it. So tell me a little bit more about the marketplace you launched. Like, why did you do it? What kind of goods are found in the store? And what are you just learning in general? Like share the story of the marketplace. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that it's always been a dream from when we started Zen Genius. We always wanted to have some sort of a retail component. Mm -hmm. uh, also understanding our inventory that we have from doing visual merchandising projects and special events projects. You know, our inventory was growing with unique props and um, supplies for parties, events. Um, so we wanted to make use of this inventory that we have. And like other retailers, figure out what the product life cycle is. You know, when we get something in, how long do we use it? Then if we move it into the store, how long does it stay there? And then, you know, what's the life cycle to keep things fresh? Yeah. We really were able to launch it during the pandemic when, you know, business changed. Um, our events went down, you know, basically 99% of the events were canceled and, most of our retail projects start stopped other than, you know, some of our clients that were, you know, within the, the range of necessary yep. businesses. Um, so we're thankful for that. But it, we had some time in our hand. We also tried our best to keep our team employed and keep businesses. So we thought now is the time to shift. We put a retail model in place. We tested it. And we um, did some special sales and we developed an e-commerce leg. So as a part of our design offices, we decided to dedicate a certain amount of square footage mm -hmm. to this retail boutique. Um, and, you know, we're, we're learning, we're growing, we're evolving. We're selling a lot of what we're focused on, our creative gifts. Okay, tell me about those. So um, candles, um, fun, clever gifts, um, our wellness category, smudging is really good. Yeah. Uh, local artist collaborations. Yeah. We've been collaborating with local artists. We're in a community called the Short North, which is uh, a lot of small boutiques, uh, one, one of the great neighborhoods. So we've put together souvenirs where we're testing different unique souvenirs. It's also a chance for many of our, what we call our Zens, our visual merchandising freelancers that do a lot of our projects, but so many of them have their own talents or products that they're working on. So it's also an avenue for some of our people to sell goods in the store. So we're doing, we have some custom cutting boards that we're doing from a local artist. Uh, we have some artwork, we have some fun t-shirts. I should be wearing a t-shirt right now. Right? Yeah, but you yeah. look handsome. 
Oh, thank you. Thank I love what you, I always love what you wear. So it's okay. You're forgiven for this one. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, and then, yes, it's, it's also a showroom for mm-hmm. us. You know, we are a visual merchandising company. We're a special event company. So having the marketplace is also an opportunity to show how we're merchandising the goods how we're pulling the stories together. Um, it becomes a training ground for us also with some of our team. Are you um, holding events in the space as well? We have been. We've been doing a seasonal market where we invite vendors and we take over a part of our parking lot and a part of our warehouse in the back. And we're doing a curated assortment of around 20 vendors usually. And they'll bring tents it helps to drive foot traffic. Um, it helps us to see what vendors we might want to carry in the store. So a lot of times we're buying from the vendors that come to the show. Um, and it certainly drives foot traffic into our store. We've also done other events, um, you know, small trunk shows, um, artist openings, um, hands-on things like wreath making where we're doing wreaths in the store. Um, I had, uh, we had Santa there for the market this year. So, you know, that was also a little special event where we invited people in. So yeah, Uh, so many opportunities there. And I feel like we're just tapping in into it. Have there been any, um, because of what you've been doing with the space and um, the events that you do, have have your clients and the retailers asked you to do different types of services for them? Has, has there been a new revenue stream that you were able to create because you have this ability to be so flexible and fluid in what you have to offer now? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. And it it is, we are developing an additional revenue stream and we're seeing just a little bit of that right now. Like some mm-hmm. of the, um, knowing our audience as, you know, we're, our clients are, our businesses that are usually hiring us for visual merchandising and special events, mm-hmm. but we know they have creative teams. Mm-hmm. So some of the products that we're designing, we're keeping them in mind, you know, like a design cool stuff t-shirt Um, We have a t-shirt creative AF. So we're thinking about um, team, um, you know, gifts that people might buy for their, their teams. Okay. I would say where we've also had the most success is in some of the basic merchandising tools, risers, Mm -hmm. um, display tools for the store. We, I'm actually thrilled we designed a new product. We just received the fat patent for it. It's called flex. And it's just a very simple little uh, merchandising tool that helps you display small packaging, um, signs, things like that. I'll, I'll share more information on that. Cool. So, yeah, absolutely. So it is helping us to develop some new revenue streams. And I think from our customer's standpoint, you know, I think they appreciate that we're learning, yeah. you know, or it's just a, you know, an experiment for us. Um, to, you know, understand consumers a little bit better, to yeah. understand how to drive foot traffic better. Yeah. And Joe, in, in this time of economic uncertainty, what is the number one piece of advice that you would give to retailers in regards to their store merchandising? Oh, gosh, 
Number one is to be resourceful and creative. I love I, it. I feel like, you know, when money is tight, when things are there, we pay more attention to the things that we have around us mm-hmm. and we get creative. You know, look and see what you have. Look in the back room, you know, look at materials in it with a new fresh eye. You know, maybe you have 200 hangers or boxes or something that's back there. Brainstorm that. Get creative with that. What can you do to turn that into a wow, you know, into something unexpected, something that's going to get people's attention? So that if I had to pick one thing, that's what I would say. Be resourceful and tap into creativity. I love it. Joe, thank you so much for being on this episode of our podcast. And uh, ASD audiences, Joe will be back later this year on the show floor and doing work with us again. I know how much you all loved his videos, which I have re-embedded in the show notes, as well as the link to his guide on how to dis- how to merchandise a store and merchandise a booth. So thank you, Joe. And we look forward to having you back at the show this summer. Oh my goodness, Michaela. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing everybody out there at ASD. And uh, yes, best to everyone. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit ASD Market Week at asdonline.com. To listen to more great episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, or Spotify, and make sure to rate us too.